Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Before we start today, I've just got one request. If you genuinely enjoy what we're doing here on the Internet Marketing Podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes or your podcast app because it really helps us grow our podcast and ensures that we bring you the great marketing tips and advice each week. Now, today I'm joined by Richard Millington, founder and managing director at Fever B. How are you doing, Richard? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for welcoming me onto the podcast. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, let's start off. Tell us about yourself and Fever B. Sure. Um, so what we do is help organizations build online communities, not so much in the social media sector, because I have a lot of very controversial thoughts in that sector. Yeah. Um, but what we love doing is helping organizations who are building communities for their customers, for their clients or for, for their employees to use really scientific principles to increase the level of growth, increase the level of activity and get actual results. Because what we're seeing so much is that people have been doing this in a very ad hoc way. They've been guessing and they've been hoping that things work. And we like taking a very psychological approach. We like being very specific in the interventions, identifying exactly what works and what doesn't work, and then moving ahead in that sense. Mm. So it's been a, a lot of fun to do. We've been doing this since around 2010 as a business and since around 2007 um, um, was when I first began doing it. I love the uh, scientific approach. You're a man after my own heart. Now, this whole notion of uh, of communities, of course, when we say communities, we're, we're talking in the sort of um, sort of the online sense. I'm just interested. How have sort of communities changed? Would you say in the last few years? Sure. I mean, they've been changing. I mean, if you think of communities as a term, they've been going back for a long, 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 long time. Um, mm. But the definition that we use is that it's a group of people who have developed relationships around a strong common interest. Um, and now they just participate online. And so in the very early days of um, Usenet and uh, the WoW and these kinds of communities, um, they were very close because they were like the internet pioneers. They were the first people to begin doing this. And there weren't that many organizations that were doing it until around the late 90s, until the, um, maybe the mid-noughties. And I hate that term, but the mid-noughties. <laughs> yeah. um, what's been happening in the last, let's say, 10 years? communities have become more widely used as a corporate tool. What I mean by that is that it's now a place which is what you do with your customers. So you used to send your customers to a mailing list, you used to send your customers to some discount and stuff, 
But now you're sending them to a community where they can answer questions about the product or service for other customers mm. or where they can um, build a sense of community or where they can advocate on your behalf. And this is such an, an incredibly amazing thing to be doing. And what we're seeing even more is that it's not so much on the social media side, which is very good for a customer service channel, but not so good for any, anything else. But we're seeing that the technology has made it easier and easier today to build that successful community. Like the great platforms out there have gotten so good that it's become much easier to build a community. You don't have to be a technology expert anymore. And I think what's been happening is that communities are becoming, for many organizations, the main channel for customer support. They are completely changing how employees collaborate. So a lot of organizations I know don't use email anywhere near as much as what they do. They use Slack or they use an internal channel instead. Um, and I think what we're also seeing is that communities based around passion or identities are going strong, hmm. but companies aren't so much dominating that space. Like it's very hard to build a community of passionate fans around your brand because very few brands are that interesting. I mean, no one's going to participate in a community around, say, a washing machine because, yeah. I mean, how interesting can a washing machine be? Well, you'd be surprised. So, well, okay, you're going to have the crazy people that, you know, love washing and they're going to participate in all their washing tips. But, you know, there might be possible to build a community around, say, doing um, a, a life hack community around doing your housework in the minimal amount of time. People yeah. share the tips. So that's like a relevant community. Mm. But it's not so much about the brand. It's about people that hate doing housework and want to spend as little time as possible doing it. Um, and I guess the last couple of years, the biggest thing has been the use of bots and uh, AI. Mm. So the challenge in, moderating, in moderating these massive online communities is that they're massive and you get all these sorts of issues of trolls, spammers, hackers, repeat questions, duplicate questions, um, people asking really dumb questions. So you, companies have traditionally employed an army of moderators to um, deal with all this. And what's happening recently, and I'm talking about the last maybe two years or so, is that companies are beginning to explore just very slowly those initial steps of, okay, can we get a bot to answer some of these questions? Is there any machine learning that can be done here? And I don't think it's going to be as big a change as what some people think, but I think there's definitely potential for these tools to flag a lot of the bad stuff and approve a lot of the good stuff. And finally, let community managers do that amazing job, which is to get on with building that community, to engage the best members, to get people to feel that sense of community. And that is work they should definitely be doing. And it's work that I think we should be very excited about. Now, how would you say we should be um, maximizing the use of, the, of these communities, Richard? Well, this is a great question, and I love this question because I think it's never about maximizing the use of a community. Like if you have a community for brain, sur brain surgeons or whatever, you don't want them to be participating in the, in the community all the time. You want them to be saving lives. Yeah. Um, but you do want the community to be there for when they need it. So it's not about maximizing use. It's about maximizing the utility of the community. So it's always there for when people need it. I think it's a mistake to try and maximize the level of engagement because you end up doing competitions, quizzes, challenges in some form or um, anything that's going to get people to participate. And you end up with a lot of very low level engagement. Mm. What we want instead are communities that are as optimized for utility as possible, which means if I have a question about about brain surgery or anything else that I know exactly where to go. I know exactly how to ask that question. Or more importantly, I know exactly how to search for that information within the community to get the fastest and best quality response. 
And that often means doing the really basic stuff, the kind of things that most people never want to spend their time doing, which is making sure that questions in the community are properly tagged, making sure that the best questions are updated, making sure that information is merged, making sure that all this stuff that sounds really basic is so important for someone that's coming into that community. Mm. Like if I don't know the right terminology to use, then I don't know how to get a good response. But if I do know the right terminology to use, if everyone uses the same terms that, that I do, or if I use the same terms that they do, I know exactly how to phrase the question. I know, I know how to ask it. I know how to tag people in. There's going to be a community manager that's going to answer it and tag more people in using um, the app mentions tool that you see on Facebook and Twitter. And it's going to be an engaging discussion. So I think it lets people find the answer before even asking the question. And that's an amazing thing to be getting right. The other mm. thing is that we try to engage people the wrong way, which is we focus on the level of activity, which is if they participated in in a 10 discussions this week, then that's better than five discussions the last week. And then it's like, okay, how do we get them to participate in 15 discussions? But that's not how it works. No. We engage more in communities, the more psychologically involved we feel as part of that community. And there are three parts of this. And the first part is the sense of autonomy you feel within that community. Do you feel a growing sense of freedom and control over that environment? Do you feel you can have an impact and influence over what happens in that community? The second part is how competent you, you feel within that community. Do you feel that you're getting better at a topic? Do you feel you're getting smarter? Is there any way of benchmarking your progress from when you first joined to where you are now? Because if you can design that kind of journey, that's going to be an incredible thing. Mm. And the third one is relatedness, which is how many people do you know in the community? I mean, how many of them would you genuinely, honestly consider as your friend? And what we do and a lot of the work that we do is about plotting out that, that journey. So when someone first joins, what kind of contribution can they make that's going to increase their sense of um, competence or autonomy or relatedness? What is the second step? What's the third step? What kind of nudges do we need to put in place? And it's such an exciting thing to be working at this kind of level. And we enjoy it so much because you can get people feeling really engaged. And also most of the value that a lot of people get from communities is not informational. It is psychological. It's mental. It's how people feel. They feel better about themselves as a result of being a member in your community. Yeah. Um, and the third one, if you can spare me just one more, is... We better understanding the difference between why people join a community and why people participate. Most people join a community because they want information. Like no one right now, you or I, we're never going to be thinking, oh, I really need to join a, a on, online community about uh, online marketing. Mm. As much as we might participate in that field, as much as we might enjoy that field, people don't go looking for online communities. And when you look at how most communities promote themselves, They'll say, this is the community for online marketing. We have 10,000 members in this community, but no one cares. What they do care about is what challenges can you solve? What information do you have? What things are going on within that community? So I think most communities out there today have to stop promoting what it is and start promoting what they're capable of doing for members. Mm. What problems can you solve? What solutions do you have? Or if you want to go in, in like the who's participating, Focus on who's in that community because people are far more likely to join a community where the top members are in that. And at least then there's some sort of value there. But don't just promote this is the community for Internet marketing where you can join, connect and share because it's not that that value isn't high enough. Yeah. Um, so I'd focus on those th those three things. Now, 
It's actually interesting, Richard, because we hear it in sort of um, health journals, don't we, how important um, mm. sort of communities and the feeling of belonging is, which you sort of, you kind of touched on in there in your sort of uh, psychological, scientific bit. Now, what about metrics, uh, Richard? Because uh, there's a lot of sort of stuff going on in communities. And I get the feeling that a lot of people aren't measuring uh, the success, if you could define success, of their communities. How should we be doing this? Oh, man, this is one of those questions that drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> um, so I think the challenge is, and, and I don't think um, online communities are unique. The things that are the easiest to measure, the number of posts, the number of members, the number of people participating, have very little correlation with the value that people want from a community. Yeah. Um, and what, what's been happening is that someone will go into the organization and say, all right, this is the number of posts that I got this month, and this is the number of um, members that have joined this month. And the moment you do that, the very first time you do that, in whatever meeting you do that in, that's a benchmark that you're then measured against. And the actions that you take to increase that benchmark if you want more, more members and do white papers that people have to sign up to receive, if you want more activity, do more off-topic discussions. I mean, there are ways to increase these kinds of metrics really, really well, but they don't get you the value that you want, which is why we recommend everyone never, ever, ever present engagement metrics internally because it's irrelevant. Most communities are created for a relatively small number of reasons. Hmm. They might want to reduce the customer service cost in some particular way, which is, you know, less people phoning the customer um, support line, or they might want to um, uh, get more leads or identify leads. They might want to increase the level of retention. So track those things. Track the, And this is harder to track. I mean, it's much more difficult to yeah, track. Yes. But it's so much better to go into a meeting tomorrow and say, hey, I, I identified these seven leads these seem to be good accounts that are going to turn in, into customers for us. That's going to get you more attention. That's going to get you more support. And that's the level we have to be working at, not presenting the engage, engagement level metrics. And also, if you think about it, if you're focusing on, the, on that engagement level, your, your group, your department is going to be the last in line for investment and the first in line for cuts. And we don't want that to happen. And the other thing about metrics is that they're one part of the puzzle. The reason that we track any metrics at all, especially at the business level, is so we know how valuable the community is. You know, how does mm. it contribute to the goals? And most people, when they send these metrics out, they do the worst thing they possibly can. They send a spreadsheet with the metrics to their boss, usually maybe every Friday at the end of the month, the exact same day that their boss is getting the same spreadsheet from different departments throughout the organization. Can you think of a worse way of communicating <laughs> your success? Yeah. It's crazy that people do this. But what you should do instead is communicate more persuasively. The goal of metrics is to get more support, more and more funding for your community effort. Make sure that you are have that level of support internally. So the goal is to communicate persuasively. So don't say, oh, our community increased customer retention by whatever. Say, our, um, our community is keeping customers for life. Don't say that you're generating leads. Say that you're finding great sales leads that your sales team have missed. I mean, you can make your metrics matter by making them as emotive as you possibly can. And that's an amazing thing to be doing because people make decisions based upon how they feel about something. Like the data matters, but nowhere near as much as what people think it does. So what we want to be looking at is how can we communicate our metrics as persuasively as possible? And that means not just reporting dry metrics buried in a spreadsheet, 
but making sure that you know you're setting a meeting with your boss and you're telling them with the enthusiasm that you should have from this role about what you achieved that month in real tangible goals. Like these are 10 customers that I stopped our competitors from stealing away from us. I mean, these kinds of things are gonna be so much more powerful than anything else. So I'd focus at that kind of level. Sounds really interesting. So if, if, if you had um, one top tip, Richard, uh, or, or top tips indeed, or sort of a, a takeaway for our audience today, uh, all around sort of communities and, and the best ways of leveraging them, working with them, what would it be? Um, so let me focus on a tip that we haven't covered yet, but I think it's one of the most critical things that gets overlooked over and over again, which is the idea of talking to members in your community. Mm. I am astounded how many organizations will redesign their platform or launch these major, major initiatives without ever even talking to members of their community. And that's crazy. Um, so before doing any of that, make sure that you interview. I mean, not just having a conversation online, but setting up interviews with your members, may, maybe just five interviews a week, and asking them questions about how they participate, why they participate, or even why they don't participate. Because the data here will give you really interesting ideas about how you can improve that community. So for example, many lurkers will say, and this is what, what we found from the interviews, mm. many people that lurk in a community, I mean, they visit, but they don't participate. When we interview them, they'll say, yeah, it seems like a good community and I enjoy it, but I don't participate because I don't feel like an expert. I don't feel that I can contribute to that community. And this is really interesting information for us because it means we can tell them, well, listen, we don't need you to be the experts. We need people that can ask questions. We need people that is going to stimulate the discussions. We need to hear things from your perspective so we know how to help people like you. Like you are the expert in people like you. So you can send them messages explaining this. You can design interventions and nudges within the platform explaining this. And what you find when you do this is that you can fundamentally increase the level of participation and get the kind of results that you want. But it all comes from interviewing your members on a regular basis because I think this is something that's so overlooked, but the data you get from it is amazing. And the final thing I always add is that you get to know how they speak in their own words. Far too often we use the words that we think make sense but when you learn exactly what they need and how they phrase the issues that they have, mm. you're going to get the kind of copy, the kind of data, the kind of information you need to make the interventions that are going to get you the results you want. So it's learning their language. Absolutely. Like it's such an amazingly useful thing to do. And it's such a motivating thing to do to find out how your members speak. Like we enjoy doing it. It's fantastic. Richard, thanks so much for joining us and helping us. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's, it's absolute pleasure. Um, how can our listeners find out more about you and more about Feverbee? <laughs> Of course, you can go to www.feverbee.com um, or Rich Millington on Twitter or my book, um, Buzzing Communities on Amazon.com. Um, great Christmas gift for your friends and, 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 and your family as well. So go crazy. Or indeed a great Easter gift. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Richard, and thanks for everyone for listening. Show notes are on the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash podcast. Um, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review so that we know how we're doing and can continue to bring you a better sort of show with uh, marketing, marketing ideas and advice. Uh, plus, we're always open to questions and suggestions for future topics. Um, so feel free to email those to podcast at sitevisibility.com or tweet at site visibility if you want to connect with me personally i'm dr pod d-o-c-t-o-r-p-o-d on twitter and linkedin and if you want to continue the conversation you can do that by joining the site visibility group on linkedin so that's all from me andy and it's all from richard 
Thank you. Goodbye. And we'll see you all soon again on Internet Marketing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.